this week, the E. Jean Carroll defamation trial against Donald Trump had to be delayed for three days. It's supposed to pick back up today, but it had been delayed for three days after a juror tested positive for COVID and after Alina Haba told the judge that she had been feverish over the weekend after being exposed to somebody with COVID-19. Now Haba, according to the court, had submitted a negative COVID test early Monday morning, but that was, you know, shortly after her exposure. So there's a good chance, you know, it hadn't necessarily shown up on the test yet, but either way, negative test Monday morning, judge says, whatever, you're fevered, fine. Delay for three days. The following night, Tuesday evening, following Donald Trump's victory in New Hampshire, Alina Haba was uh, spotted at the Trump New Hampshire campaign headquarters partying with everybody because Trump won. So the day before you were feverish, you just didn't feel well. You, you needed a delay. And the next day you're partying, celebrating your client's electoral victory in a different state. After you admitted you had already been exposed to COVID. So even if you don't show symptoms, you could still be a carrier and you're infecting all those poor little Trump supporters potentially but you did get the trial delayed because you weren't feeling well. So apparently you were too sick for the trial, but not too sick to go and party at something that you're not even involved in. Like why would Donald Trump's lawyer need to be at his campaign victory party for New Hampshire? That doesn't make any sense. I mean, you would think really uh, what you would want in a lawyer, by the way, if you're in the middle of a trial, even if there is a couple days delay, what you would want your lawyer doing is hunkering down and working on the case. I have worked in a law firm with some of the best lawyers in this country for 20 years. Do you know what they do not ever do and have never done while they're in the middle of trying a case? Even if they have a couple days off, they don't go out drinking. You know what they do? They effectively sequester themselves in their hotel rooms. If they have to travel for it and they meet with everybody and it's like, 15 hour days where they do nothing but prep for what's coming up in the trial. But not Alina Haba. Oh God, no. I got a couple days off here. Hell yeah. I'm going to go party with the Trump campaign that again, you have nothing to do with. You traveled to a different state because obviously the trial's in New York. You went to New Hampshire for some reason to celebrate a victory that you're technically not even a part of. None of this makes any sense. But what I can tell you is that this will in fact come up in court. Now, depending on what the judge allows, right? Because typically you are not allowed to impugn the integrity of opposing counsel in court. However, if it does in fact pertain to the case, sometimes it can be allowed. For example, let's say E. Jean Carroll's lawyers want to get up there and talk to the jury and say, how can you believe a word this person said when they claim to be sick, but were spotted partying at the, at the Trump campaign headquarters earlier this week? That doesn't make any sense. Now, honestly, I refuse to believe that any judge would actually allow that, but don't be surprised if E. Jean Carroll's lawyers try it. Because Alina Haba, whether she was sick or not, took that time to go party 
instead of prepping for the case, instead of recovering at home after being exposed to COVID and having a fever. So you could argue that maybe she did mislead the court. Maybe she didn't. You really can't prove it. We don't have her medical records, nor do I believe any records would exist from having a fever. But either way, kind of tells the jury that maybe Alina Haba is not being completely honest about so very many aspects of her life. Well, folks, as everybody knows by now, Donald Trump pulled off a little bit of a victory in New Hampshire in the first primary in the country earlier this week. Uh, 53, uh, excuse me, 54% Donald Trump, 43% Nikki Haley. So Nikki Haley, by the way, overperformed. Okay. Polls. I know there's the one poll that's like, oh, she's within striking distance. Most of the more recent polls in the last two, three weeks had shown that she was like 14 to 16 points behind Donald Trump. She managed to close that gap. Additionally, she got a huge majority of the independents who voted in that Republican primary, actually setting a record for the number of independent voters uh, in a primary. So Nikki Haley overperformed and is still very much in this race. Nevertheless, RNC chairwoman Rana Romney McDaniel declared after Tuesday evening's results came in that it's time for Haley to drop out and for the whole party to coalesce around Donald friggin' Trump. Here is what Rana McDaniel had to say to Fox News after the results came in on Tuesday evening. I'm looking at the math and the path going forward and I don't see it for Nikki Haley. Go ahead and stop right there. You're looking at the path going forward. I mean, we've had two contests. We have, you know, uh, 48, 49 more. Uh, so yeah, there's just no path. You, you've had, you've had two contests. You've had two contests (laughs) and you're like, nope, it's done. There's no path forward. Really? Even if Nikki Haley were to somehow, I know statistically she wouldn't, but she still could technically win every other state. I mean, that's a thing that could happen in the realm of reality. So for you to be like, oh, it's a, there's no path forward. There's literally a very clear path forward for Nikki Haley to win everything. That's still a thing. Statistically not going to happen. Probability wise, it could happen. But anyway, McDaniel continued. I think she's run a great campaign, but I do think there's a message that's coming out from the voters. That's very clear. We need to unite around our eventual nominee, which is going to be Donald Trump. We need to make sure we beat Joe Biden. It is 10 months away until the November election. And we can't wait any longer to put our foot on the gas to beat the worst president. We need to do everything we can to unite so we can defeat him. We, 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 we still have a whole lot of primaries to get through, but I get it, right? You want the party to coalesce around Donald Trump so he can be the central figure. So the media can focus more on him and his cognitive slip ups and the horrible things he says at his rallies, which is only actually going to turn off moderate and independent voters, which would then see a massive flip in the polls where Biden would win in a landslide. That's what you're asking for because that's what would happen. I hope everybody realizes that what happens when Donald Trump becomes the focal point for the Republican party. Now he has enjoyed the last year, Ron DeSantis taking some of the spotlight off him. 
And then of course, when we got into the primary, there were headlines about Vivek Ramaswamy, Nikki Haley, Ron DeSantis, Chris Christie, uh, Asa Hutchinson got a couple headlines here and there. So now that all those people are gone, except for Nikki Haley, even though the chair of the Republican party says, get the hell out with all those people gone, you got empty headlines. So what's been filling the empty headlines since all these other people dropped out? Talk about Donald Trump's declining cognitive state. The fact that his brain is very clearly broken because now that there's only two people in the race, more attention is being paid to Donald Trump. When more attention gets paid to him, to the horrible things he says, to the crazy things he says, when he becomes more visible out there, cause he's doing more rallies. Now what happens? We have a historical precedent that tells us what happens. The more they see him, the more they dislike him. Coalescing around Donald Trump, especially with more than 48, cause we still got the territories that'll vote in the primary, uh, 48 contests left. And you want people to coalesce to make Trump the focal point. Honestly, I hope you do it because that is poison for your party because Ronna McDaniel's not smart enough to look back at what's happened all of the other times Trump's been the focal point and it absolutely devastates the Republican party. Matt Gates is very unhappy this week, folks, because the House Ethics Committee that has been, of course, investigating his behavior, they picked up the investigation this past summer. And then about a month ago, it was announced that they have decided to call a whole bunch of new witnesses. And then this week it was announced that from those witnesses, they have now decided to call even more witnesses. So Matt Gates is not only pissed off, but he also seems to be panicking a little bit. When asked by ABC news about the investigation, picking up uh, speed with more and more witnesses being called Gates said, it's great to see the ethics committee has interests beyond trading stocks. They, they seem to be quite the unusual whales. See when you're panicked about something, you know, like, Hey, these people are doing something that could affect me. And your response is to try to deflect and be like, well, they're the one they're trading stocks. They're doing the bad things. And I don't like that either. Why are we, uh, yeah, you know, oh, they're bad people. Yeah, you've already lost at that point, bud. You went to law school. You should know how to argue effectively. And when you have to impugn the character of the other side in order to make yourself look better, you've already lost the battle, bud. And that's exactly what you just did. Now these new witnesses, by the way, we do not know who exactly they are, but we do know, according to reports, these new witnesses that are being called by the house ethics committee are people that were called by the justice department as part of their investigation. And even though the justice department ultimately decided they were not going to bring charges against Matt Gates, you had plenty of people who were questioned by the DOJ who worked with the DOJ on the investigation that said they were shocked. One of those people who actually will not confirm or deny whether or not they have been called as a potential witness. One of those people is Fritz Scheller. Now that may name may not sound familiar to you, but Mr. Scheller actually happened to be the lawyer for Joel Greenberg, the guy who was Matt Gates wingman that helped him do the things he allegedly did. And Greenberg's lawyer, after it came out that the DOJ was not going to charge Matt Gates, 
is the one who said, you know, this is ridiculous. Like we gave them all of this information. There's no doubt Scheller suggested that Matt Gates broke the law. So he was pissed off. Greenberg had of course worked with authorities for over a year, having his sentence delayed and delayed and delayed because he was such a good witness, giving them such good info. And then the DOJ is like, nah, forget it. We're not going to do anything. Well, the house ethics committee, which is made up of people that Matt Gates has repeatedly pissed off because you have a lot of Republicans in the house who do not like Matt Gates. They do not like the chaos that he has brought upon the party over the last 12 months. You know, it started early last January with his refusal to vote for McCarthy to be speaker, then his ousting of McCarthy uh, back in September, all the drama surrounding that they're sick of the guy. He is an absolute waste of time. So I do think by the way, that that is playing a big role in this. If Matt Gates was just a good, loyal little Republican, not making any waves one way or the other, they wouldn't be going after him. They would be trying to protect him, but he has pissed them off. So I agree to a degree with Matt Gates when he says, you know, they're weaponizing the process. Sure. But they're weaponizing it against a guy that probably should have been charged by the department of justice. But the DOJ, as per usual, doesn't matter if it's a Democrat or Republican running it, they drop the ball. They do a horrible job. Our department of justice is terrible. Again, it's terrible under Democrats. It's terrible under Republicans. It's flat out terrible, but Gates is not in the clear. So it doesn't matter if they weaponize this or if they're just doing it because he pissed them off. If they find something, then it was worth it. And based on the fact that they're actually increasing their investigation, speeding it up and calling more witnesses. And based on what Kevin McCarthy has said after conversations with the people on the committee, kind of seems like they may have found some things that Matt Gates isn't going to be too happy Marjorie Taylor Greene is threatening eradication of Republicans right now. Following Donald Trump's pathetic victory in the New Hampshire primary on Tuesday evening, Marjorie Taylor Greene was doing her little victory lap when she told reporters that she was willing to and wants to and will eradicate any Republican <laughs> that does not fall in line behind Donald Trump. Here is what Marjorie Taylor Greene had to say. This is a referendum on the Republican party. Mm, no, come back to that. That doesn't seem right. This is a true change for the Republican party. Also doesn't seem right. It says that not only do we support president Trump, we support his policies and any Republican that isn't willing to adapt to these policies. We are completely eradicating from the party. It's up to Nikki Haley what she does. It would be a good choice for Nikki Haley if she drops out after this election. All right, let's start with the, the top there. This is a referendum on the Republican Party. No, Trump was your last two nominees. A referendum on the party would be going against that person. Trump was your nominee in 2016 and your nominee in 2020. So that's actually just kind of carrying the same thing. And that's when you said like, this is a true change for the Republican party. Again, no, it's your party doing the thing that they've done in the last two presidential elections. So that's, that's not a change at all. That's literally just doing the same exact thing that hasn't worked out too well for anybody. 
And then, of course, (laughs) we support his policy, she says, of the Republicans. What are those, by the way? Do, Do you know any? Can you name any? Has he proposed anything other than his universal trade war with every country on earth? He's suggested that 10% tariff on any good coming into the United States, which would screw over every consumer in the country uh, and build a wall. Oh, and a dome. He's got a dome now that he wants to build. So a dome, a wall, and a trade war with literally everyone on the planet. Those are the three policies. Oh, he's also, I'm sorry, I forgot this most important one. He's also promised his wealthy friends recently that he would give them tax cuts because Republicans can't do anything without promising tax cuts to people who are already super rich. So those are the three policies or four policies, I guess, that he has. So I wouldn't say too much that these people support his policies. No, it's a cult of personality, Marge. And then, of course, you suggested you were going to eradicate anyone from the Republican Party. Yikes. Um, how, how do you go about that? I mean, that, that seems a little harsh. You're going to eradicate them. I mean, okay, but here's the thing, Marge, what's going to happen. And I've said this before is that you're going to have a lot of these like never Trump Republicans that end up coalescing around Donald Trump. That's just a given. We've actually already seen it. Chris Sununu, the Republican governor of New Hampshire endorsed Nikki Haley. He admitted recently, I mean, this week, actually, that having Trump on the ticket is going to hurt all of the down ballot races. Republicans are going to lose big time if Trump's at the top, but Sununu still says, but I'll vote for Trump. If he's the nominee, I'll vote for Trump. If he's the nominee and has a felony conviction, Sununu told CNN's Caitlin Collins earlier this week. So all of these people are like, man, I hate Trump. I don't want him there, but I'll vote for him. So you're going to see a lot of that, but you're also going to see Some Republicans, as we get closer to the election, once those individual race polls come out, you're going to see Republicans, as we get towards that finish line, try to distance themselves. And we know that because it's happened in previous elections. Oh, I love Trump. Trump's a great guy. Oh God. Oh, look at my polls. Yeah. I mean, I don't want to talk about that. Let's talk about uh, other things, anything other than Trump, please, for the love of God, somebody, they do it every time. So yes, there will be a coalescing that takes place. And then once these people start to look at their poll numbers, they're going to distance themselves and Marjorie Taylor Greene is not going to eradicate anyone. Thanks for listening to today's Fair and Balanced Daily. Stay up to date with all of our content by finding us on YouTube at youtube.com slash fairandbalanced and follow me on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at fairandbalanced. Balanced.